0: Yes, this is the Uncle Marv Podcast. We are back after a long, extended, and needed break. Had to do that, folks. It was getting a little too hectic. And I'll explain just a little bit about that. But first, I want to let you know that the show is not going to be just me. If you've paid attention, I've got a great guest coming up. She's going to be fantastic. You're going to enjoy her. But I want to take just a couple of minutes... And explain why it's been such a long time between shows. And as many of you might know, the last show was recorded back at the end of July with my good basketball buddy, Dave Becker, and I meant to go post that show up, and then I had to do stuff surrounding George Floyd and ended up having some great, lovely, private conversations with that. A little intense. So, had to put a couple of things on hold, had to do work, had some major work projects come up, uh, taking away the weekends. And I know that many of you, when you were watching the show, you loved it on the weekends instead of a Tuesday or a Thursday night. I haven't figured out what the time frame is going to be long term, but I'll figure it out. But for the most part, I do these shows when I can, as long as they don't interfere with work or the wife. So, the W.W., is what I have to contend with. So just to let you know about that. So I did have some great conversations. Uh, I actually got to visit with the lovely Carol McKenna and her husband over at Bonita Springs. The wife and I took a little COVID trip over there to get away one weekend. Um, Let me rephrase that. The wife told me we were going and to pick a spot, and that's where we picked. So that's what we did. Also, got to spend another weekend away this past weekend as we just celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary. Some of you owe me a dollar because you didn't think I'd make it past 10, and here we are at 18. So, suck it, guys. That's all I got to say with that. Uh, Let's see what else we've done. Uh, I know that we've got some shows coming up. Uh, There's a possibility of a panel of guests coming up here. I don't want to say their names because I don't want to jinx it because another reason that I had some shows disappear in August was because some people who said they would be on the show suddenly decided, oh, I can't be on the show. So left me hanging. I'm not going to call their names out yet. I'm going to give them another opportunity to come correct and we'll get it straight and I'll get them on and uh, all should be well in the universe once that happens. So, I think that's going to do it for the housekeeping and announcements. Uh, I'm going to basically have some more later. But right now, I would love to get to the guest who's sitting in the green room, and uh, she's looking a little lost and confused. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado... (laughs) so ladies and gentlemen i am bringing you a friend from way back way back i probably uh, i think the year was 1992 and her last name was house So I dubbed her Dana the Brick House. So, Dana, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, right as you drink.
1: I am. (laughs) I am well, thank you, Marvin. How are you?
0: I am good. uh,
1: Great to see you after all these years.
0: Yes, after all these years. Your hair is longer and mine is shorter. (laughs)
1: And uh, mine is grayer as well. Um, I noticed from the pictures that you presented, I was like, "Wow, those are from <laughs> a long time ago."
0: <laughs> Did you like the pictures that I selected for your montage?
1: <laughs> those were really awesome pictures. <laughs> it was quite the eclectic. Um, a little bit of CrossFit, a little bit of my past work, and then some like way back to um, JA conference. Um, those were fun. Yeah. Like
0: so. This. I saw some photos that I almost put in there, but I'm like, no, let me save those for another time. So <laughs> there's some some pretty intense CrossFit pictures going on there.
1: Oh, yeah, back in my CrossFit days.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah. let's do this. First of all, I need to explain to the folks. There's going to be a little bit of a lag or delay at times because Dana is actually not in the States right now. For those of you that are her friends, you already know this, but for listeners of mine, friends of mine who don't know you, you recently bolted from the U.S. So why don't you explain that?
1: (laughs) We got our ticket out. (laughs) Hmm. Um, My husband got a job um, back in April, which uh, was after the uh, shutdown when everybody was working from home. Um, He got a job offer from uh, pandora jewelry not music that is headquartered in copenhagen denmark and in the end of july we relocated the whole family to copenhagen denmark so we now live here oh. um, and arrived six weeks ago today
0: wow so how has the adjustment been so far
1: You know, it's interesting. It's um, it's weird to think that it's been six weeks. Um, I'm not sure if I feel like it's been longer or shorter. Um, you know, it's been such a journey just in those six weeks. Um, there was a huge sense of relief of exiting the U.S., but also just all the work it took to Pack up, you know, pack up a house, um, pack up a life there. Close down everything there. Start everything up here. The the list, uh, the to do list from uh, May, June, and July was seemingly endless, and so it was sort of this relief of getting here and just like, wow, we're here, um, and we're in temporary housing, and so we're still a little bit in limbo. Uh, but the kids started school in person three weeks ago. My husband started work in person at the office four weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's been exciting, new, frustrating, sometimes um, lonely, sometimes uh, overwhelming. Everything is new every day, figuring out new systems every day. Um, So it's kind of You name the emotion, it's been there Mm. in the last six
0: weeks. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to treat this like a live show, um, like radio. So somebody (laughs) somebody motoring down the road there. Um, So I need to obviously at times remind everybody that we're talking to Dana Armstrong, otherwise known as The Brick. And you just recently moved from – now, I should probably go back and double check. Were you still in the state of Washington before you moved. Yeah, we
1: moved it from Seattle. From yeah. Seattle. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yes. Uh, so you did that and moved over to Denmark. So let me ask the the obvious questions first. Your husband got the job, but did you actually know people in Denmark?
1: Um, no. Well, so I have a friend that I met um. Way back, even before I met you, um, in college on um, Semester at Sea, she is uh, from Houston, Texas, but she married a Dane. And they lived in Denmark for a number of years right after they got married. Two of the three kids were born here, but 12 years ago they moved back and live in Austin, but they come every summer. So they were here when we got here, um, and so I saw her, but she has since left to go back to Houston. I know her mother-in-law and I will, uh, she lives here and actually I'll see her next week, but really for all intents and purposes, no, we didn't know anybody. Hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just everybody that I know here now I've met in the last six weeks.
0: All right. So I don't know your husband and we'll change that at some point in the future. And I have to, I have to believe that this was some kind of job to basically decide it's it's a good time to leave the country and go to another country and stuff like that. And because of his job, I have to now ask about you and your job. Were you in a position where it was easy to make this move because you've, you've been doing some pretty big things as far as I can tell.
1: Well, so to add some context to that, we've actually been working on this for over a year. And the fact that we ended up in Denmark Denmark was not what we targeted. Um, in fact, we were really trying to move to Southeast Asia. And, um, so this has been something we've wanted to do pretty much since we've met and, um, life takes its twists and turns. And back in 2011, um, we had an opportunity to maybe move to Turkey and that blew up when the kids were really little. Um, then we had our own business and then kind of recovered from that. Um, So this wasn't out of the blue, and this was always something that we together as a couple decided we want to move overseas with our girls who are now 11 and 13. And so while he was looking for jobs overseas and still working at his job in Seattle, I worked for, um, I was the executive director of a nonprofit that worked in the homelessness space in Seattle, which is a big, big issue in Seattle. And so, you know, it, it, it was over the last, well, I I left my job in May. So for the, the prior six to nine months, there was a lot of mixed emotions about it, to be honest. Like I really wanted to move overseas. It was important to me. Then, you know, there's also all the things going on in the United States that it just felt like it's time to get out if we can. And particularly for our girls to get out. Um, but leaving behind a job that I loved and that I really believe in and is continuing on to do great work. And I'm still working with um, the executive director who took over my position as a guy that I had hired mere months before I left and who's doing a phenomenal job. And i meet with him once a week, um, over zoom, but you know, that was something I was really passionate about. So I was in hundred percent for moving overseas but I did leave behind something that I believed in and loved. Um, but, you know, life is like that. You got to, you got to make choices. Right. And this was our choice. And I was in a hundred percent.
0: Okay. All right. Cause part of me was thinking, well, you could have moved from Seattle to say Florida.
1: Just <laughs> <You know>? say <laughs> Florida.
0: <laughs> All right. So you, um, you've you been, yeah, wa- could have. go ahead.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll say say go uh, ahead because I, I was see- delay.
1: Um, so we <laughs> um, so we were really looking at overseas um, and for so many different reasons of just sort of the growth opportunity to expose our girls to different just a different culture and recognize that um, sometimes things are really different and they're, they're not wrong. They're not bad. They're just different. And you don't even know what's different until you get into it. And you're like, Whoa, that's really different. Yeah, oh, Why, yeah. You know, gotta, gotta, figure out this new system. Um, and, you know, learning how to do that. I mean, kids are, are very adaptable and very resilient
0: and they're doing great.
1: They love it. They're very happy here.
0: I was going to say, kids are not only adaptive, they're resilient, and you picked probably the right time to do it. Um, of course, if you'd have done it younger, you know, maybe they wouldn't appreciate it, you know, because they've at least now at the age where they've seen some stuff, they know the U.S., and now they can see another country and how things are viewed from outside of the U.S.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, this past week, just yesterday, uh, their friends from Seattle started school online. And uh, we got sort of the play by play from some close friends of ours because Seattle Public Schools had a few technical glitches getting going online. Um, And so they're feeling very, very fortunate that they go to school in person. Um, Of course, our experience here would be very different if they were going to school online, they wouldn't know anybody, Um, and that they, you know, kind of have a really normal life here for the most part. That is something that I know being in the United States, it's it's hard to even imagine that. Like, what does that mean? Mm. Um, But, um, you know, masks, um, they're now mandated on all public transit. You get a $500 ticket um, if you don't wear one, and it is enforced, and everybody wears them. There's no chin slings. There's no noses hanging out. Everybody wears their masks. Um, But for the most part, you don't see them anywhere else other than around transit stations, other than we did just go to Tivoli today, which is the big amusement park. And any of your listeners who have been to Copenhagen in the summer have no doubt been to Tivoli because that's one of the places you go. Um, And so there were several rides that we were required to wear masks. So we had our masks um, and they would hand them out to people who didn't have them. But other than that, life is pretty normal here. Okay. Um, It's kind of weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. See, I can't say that because here in South Florida, you know, Florida man thrives. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I can only imagine.
0: All right. So let's go back now and talk about, so the last time you and I saw each other, I believe, was in Bloomington, Indiana, at a National Junior Achievement Conference, and I believe the year was 1992.
1: I think you're right, because the first year we met was 91, and then we came back as co-counselors in 92. Um, yeah, so I think you're right.
0: Wait. It's crazy. We met in 91?
1: Yeah, because that was the year that I was there with the the Mexican students, because I was running the exchange program oh. between, for JA between Mexico and the U.S., yes. and I had been in Mexico City. And I brought... U.S. students who had been in Mexico to Bloomington, and then I went home with the Mexican students who had been all over the U.S., and I took them home at the end. It was right after my birthday, and we stayed an extra day, which was my birthday, and I think you and I were one of the few, and my Mexican um, exchange students were one of the only ones left on campus for the last couple days after the conference was over.
0: So I believe that was the year Um, that half of Mexico was in my group. Or have, probably. <laughs> so I, uh, it was a very interesting year for me 91 to have uh, all the international influence in my group. And luckily my three years of Spanish kicked in and I knew just enough so that they wouldn't talk about me.
1: <laughs> exactly. They're like, Ooh, he understands. Yeah. yeah. And they were older because Mexico's um, junior achievement program goes into college. And so, many of them were like 19 or 20 years old, uh, 21, like they were older, which I think was a bit of a difference since most of the U S students were all high school students. Um, so that was kind of a, a different, um, bit as well.
0: Yeah. Now I'm trying to remember
1: 1992.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to remember now you, did you officially work for junior achievement that year?
1: Um, Not, well, so after I was in Mexico, so I went to Mexico right after I graduated from college, and that was working for Junior Achievement in Mexico City, and then I came back, and I worked for a foundation that was doing a a business exchange with Moscow, and then in conjunction with that was the opening of junior achievement in russia which was kind of a big deal back yes. in the 90s yes it was um in the early 90s yeah and so i spent the fall of 91 right after i had been in mexico in in seattle but working with calling every single ja office across the country and talking to the executive directors and saying this is why you need to participate in this and this is how you can raise money and you can bring students you can bring business consultants and you can bring ja staff but this is what it costs and these are all the things and so i got together gosh i think it was a group of over a hundred um students teachers and business consultants from the us to go over to this business conference in moscow right after thanksgiving In 1991, so it was like December 1st, 1991, and when we landed in Moscow, it was the Soviet Union, and when we left, it was probably 10 days later, Gorbachev had stepped down, there was this total dissolution of Soviet Union, they were going to call it the Commonwealth of Independent States, and everybody in the U.S. was freaking out, Colorado Springs headquarters of JA International. I was on the phone with them constantly. They, they were like freaking out because all they saw was what was on TV. And we're like, we don't even know what's happening. Like we <laughs> couldn't understand what's going on. We couldn't, we didn't under, you know, understand Russian. And so they were like, okay, Dana, you're going to take everybody and leave five days early. Oh, no, we can't do that because they're on flight. So Dana, you're going to take the students and hang out in Stockholm And wait for the adults to show up. Oh, no, we can't do that. There's not enough flights. We ended up leaving on the flight that we were supposed to leave on. But in the meantime, our accommodations in Moscow for our last night in Moscow, once we brought everybody back to Moscow, we had groups going all over the country, had been canceled. And so suddenly we had 100 people in Moscow with no hotel reservations. And I'm pretty sure there were a couple crates of whiskey that got us some hotel reservations pretty quickly to move us around. But mm-hmm. it was this whole huge thing with JA. Um, but you know, we were fine, like we weren't in any danger. But um, yeah, so that was in 1991. And then I don't remember what I did after that, but you and I had kept in touch. And so you're like, hey, I'm going back as, as a counselor or whatever, a group, a head of a group. You're gonna be my partner, and I was like, "All right, why not?" So you
0: and I did that. I think that kind of freaked you out. <laughs> but that at that point I wasn't actually. Yeah, I think you were freaked out. You're like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna be your partner. How is that?" And it was funny because I don't even remember how I got the request through because you weren't supposed to be able to request your partners, and I don't. I don't know what happened. Marvin
1: has some strings that he can pull. I just think that you're well connected and everybody's like, Oh, well, you got to give Marvin what he gets. I think you just need the right people to
0: talk to. Oh my. So, yeah. So those were, those were fun days. And, uh, you know, some of those pictures that I put in your montage are from there. I have a couple that I almost put in, uh, from the night of the, the dance, um, you and I dressed up with the kids and you playing, you know, mother house and cutting the cookie and giving it out to the kids. Probably don't remember that do you.
1: <laughs> I'd love to see those pictures. I don't, I, you know, that was so long ago. And since I don't have those pictures, I don't have, you know, the picture that you showed me in the, of me in the dorm and the green shirt, I was like, wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'd love to see those pictures. That's pretty funny. Of us dressed up. That,
0: that sure looks good. <laughs> yeah, for the girl who was the outdoorsman <laughs> yeah. and climbing mountains all the time and stuff. And I, I always, for some reason, got the mountain mixed up. Because if I remember correctly, I always told everybody, oh, yeah, she climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, but it was Mount Rainier or something like that. <laughs> Is that does that sound right?
1: It was Mount... That summer... It was Mount McKinley that summer in Alaska, uh, Denali, because okay. 1992, I climbed that in July of that summer. And then later in that summer, uh, you and I met up in, in Bloomington. So, yeah, that was
2: probably the last mountain I climbed. I mean, no, maybe not.
1: I think I I've, I've climbed a couple since then, but my mountain climbing days are long, say, long behind me. I was going to say, it was like a
0: mountain a year for you for a while there, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, Denali was really the big one. I mean, the tallest mountain in the in the U.S., um, that was an expedition climb of uh, 17 days on the mountain. That was the biggest undertaking. You know, I did uh, Rainier a few times, Adams, uh, St. Helens. Uh, my sister and I had were down in South America, and we did some other things down there. But Mount McKinley was really, that was the big one.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, All right.
1: Did you did you go back to um, the JA conference after ninety two or was that your
0: last year? I went for two more years. Okay. So my last year was ninety four, and it was let's see. So ninety two was I believe the year that they changed the name to the International Student Forum, and ninety three okay. was the last year at Indiana University. 94, they moved it to Michigan, and it was a completely University different- University
1: of Michigan in, in Ann Arbor?
0: No, no, no. They moved it to some, it, it wasn't a college, it was some camp or some weird place, and it, it just, listen, okay. no respect to junior achievement, but for me, that conference stunk, and I was done. That's probably the easiest way I can put yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but i should say it's done for yeah. me i think there were a lot of people that still liked it they the conference continued on for a few more years uh it was called the company masters program or something like that and it i mean it it did good stuff and they've even brought a conference back similar to that but nothing nothing will will compare to the national junior achievement conference
1: that thing was huge i mean it was kind of if i look back on that um just the coordination to make that happen and how cool it was that it was on a really nice college campus. Um, and it was a very well run program for the two years that I was there. Um, that was,
0: that was pretty cool. Yep. It was a big event. So, yeah. uh, so last year, well, no, listen, was see last year. So last year, a lot of the staff and I probably sent you a message seeing if you could go. So we started this thing where every few years, a bunch of the staff, over the years, we'll gather back at Indiana University. We were able to do it last year. We couldn't do it this year. I believe we're going to do it next year. Um, but it's great to be able to see all the different staff members, some that worked for Junior Achievement, others that were just staff members at the conference, uh, to be able to you know, sit back, reminisce, talk about life, kind of like you and I are doing now, um, and just talk about what that conference was because – You know, when you came those last – those two years, that was probably the tail end of one of the most robust errors of conferences, you know, to put 3,000 students who didn't know each other, cram them into this curriculum for one week, and many of those kids became lifelong friends who, you know, you may never see them again or you may see them every now and then. But every time we went back to the conference, it was like picking up as if it were yesterday.
1: That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's it's in its own way is a camp that you know kids go back to the same camp every year and see their same friends. It's the same idea, but around junior achievement, and you know, having done several events, um, I can appreciate the level of effort and work and logistics to pull that off and pull it off smoothly. And, um, yeah, it was a really, it was a cool event and that's really cool that you guys keep in touch and connect and, um, you know, just kind of keep that connection going over the years.
0: All right. So now let's, let's transition to the personal. And I know that I announced that my wife and I just celebrated 18 years so my question to you is, <laughs> how is it that you decided that one year after I got married, you figured it was time for you to get married, too?
1: You know, you paved the way. And I was like, <laughs> well, you know, Marvin's in. I'm into. All right. Twist my arm. Um, and, you know, Labor Day weekend is just a good weekend to do it, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. Now, was yours the 30th or the uh- 31st?
1: It was the thirty first, so see, the year see, that I got married, it the exact, was a Sunday. The exact day. same
0: day as as ours, thirty first.
1: Okay, so you did it the the uh, Saturday of yes. Labor Day weekend. Yep. Okay, and so we had done it on a Sunday to just try and give people um, travel time Saturday and Monday if they didn't want to take work off. But yes, exact same day, one year later, because you know I thought, well, you know, you did it on the thirty first, so why not? <laughs>
0: Ah, interesting. Interesting. All right. So I've asked all the questions so far. Let me at least turn it around and give you the opportunity to ask your questions.
1: Well, I guess, you know, what have you been, so after JA, cause you, did you, you didn't work for JA, you're mostly staff at the forum and then you have your other job. And what is that?
0: So, Actually, so 92 to 94, I did work for Junior Achievement, uh, here in South Florida. Okay. So when we met, okay. I was, I was having the three years of darkness in Carolina. So I was still attending grad school, otherwise known as, okay. otherwise known as seminary to some people. But, uh, I had finished that <laughs> and, uh, moved back to Fort Lauderdale, worked for Junior Achievement for two years and, We had a, we had a nice two year run there, but it was, it was time to leave. And then I did a couple of odd little jobs, worked for the Humane Society of Broward County as the volunteer director there. And, you know, I've always had this thing with computers and I was building computers on the side and selling them to the local computer store. And the owner there was like, when are you going to come work for me? Because you build computers better than my guys. And I said, well, if you can match my salary, I'll go. And it took him about six months, and he called me up and said, okay, I can do it. <laughs> and so uh, I left uh, Humane Society, went to work for this computer store. He complained so much that I cost him so much money because in order to pay me what I had told him, he had to obviously pay his other employees more. And so he always blames me for costing him so much money
1: mm, from paying actually livable wages right. and wages that are
0: good and yes. people can live on. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so <laughs> I was there for two years, and then uh, one Tuesday morning he pissed me off, and didn't think that I could run a store or do anything on my own. So I said, "All right, I'm done." And so that next Monday, I had my business plan, I had my letter of resignation. Started the company that I have today. Uh, that was in 1997. It was to do um, wow. on-site network support, and I am still doing it today.
1: Wow. That's that's a long run. That is um,
0: it is uh,
1: 23 years. Yep. Good for you. I can appreciate how hard running your own business is, and that's no small feat. Good
0: mm-hmm. for you. It's been fun. It's been, it's been weird at times, but fun. So
1: do do you have employees and, um, or is it you or how do you,
0: um, so I, at one point, yeah. So at one point I did have three employees that were not my family. Uh, that goes back, um, in 2000, yeah, somewhere in the two thousands, I started hiring staff. And I had two full-time techs that worked for me. I had an office person. Um, And then things started changing in the industry. So we started switching some stuff around. Once we started to be able to do remote support, I didn't have to mm-hmm. – um let me rephrase that. I got tired of looking at the techs in the tech room not doing anything. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just paying them to sit. So I got rid of the techs. Uh, I tried to keep one full time and uh, in 2008 is when Kim uh, actually left the job that she was at and started coming to work for us. And so we kind of made a transition, got rid of the tech. So it was just her and I for a long time and I subbed out uh techs when I needed them. So I've got some, some other friends in the, in the really? industry. Uh, they have their own <laughs> business, but we basically help each other out. So, you know, when I do need to, do big jobs and stuff. I hire them and they hire me. So I've been able to do this with subcontractors and just last month hired my nephew. So that's exciting. Yeah. So I got to teach him and see how well he'll do. And we are probably, I'm probably on the cusp of where I should probably hire a full-time tech again, but we're going to try to see how long we can go before doing that.
1: Oh, so is he, how old is your nephew? 17. Okay. So, um, that's, uh, that's cool. That'll be a great experience for him to learn from the master. (laughs) (laughs) Um, now is, is Kim your wife?
0: Yes. Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't let her out much.
1: (laughs) Um, not Did you, how did you meet her? Did you meet her because you had hired her to work for you or she worked for you because you already had a relationship? Oh. I guess. See, I don't. If I look back, it's 18 years.
0: I'm trying to think. I have probably never officially told the story. So let me Ah, go back.
2: There's your chance.
0: Because nobody ever asked. (laughs) So here's the deal. (laughs) So I met Kim in a bar. But the way that I met her, it's not like I went to a bar and she was at the bar and we met up and stuff. She was coming down from Ohio with a friend. And the person that was supposed to kind of take them around and show them around was the sister of her friend who like bolted on them or something like that. But she said, what I can do is there's this guy I know. That can show you around and make sure that you guys have a good time. So that was me.
1: That was you.
0: Only I <laughs> didn't know that I was designated to be this friend. <laughs> so this is somebody oh. who I had just kind of met. And so when I say this bar, it was, it was more like a sports bar for me. I would go like on Sundays and Mondays to watch the ball games and then I'd leave. But on the weekends, <laughs> they were. A bar and they had, you know, a dance club and they had a live band and every now and then I would go, but I was such good friends with the bartenders and the owners that if there was ever any trouble, I could step in and help and not have the bar, you know, have any liability. For instance, you know, if if a regular girl got too drunk and needed a ride home, I could take her home. Everybody would feel good because I wouldn't take advantage of her and get her home safe and all that stuff. So that was mm-hmm. that was my role at the bar. It's weird, weird role. Um
1: <laughs> But somehow so Marvin. <laughs> I mean Yep.
0: Yeah. So apparently I was supposed to meet them one Saturday night, but didn't, and I don't remember why. And so on like Tuesday. I get a call and it's the friend yelling at me for not showing up to do what I was supposed to do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she had, and she's like, remember my friends? I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to like get dressed up on a Tuesday night to go out and meet them. So I met her on a Tuesday night and the friend was leaving the next day. (laughs) Yeah. So Basically, they still had 10 days left on their vacation, and I ended up spending either seven or eight of the next 10 days with them. Good thing
1: you actually showed up to that one, huh? (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the 10 days, we, you know, we hit it off and stayed in touch. And six years later, I convinced her to move down to Florida. And then two years after that, we got married. Two years after that, she moved to Atlanta. And two years after that, I said, enough of that. Get get your butt back down to Florida. <laughs> and we've been here ever since. <laughs>
1: yeah. So where in Ohio is she from?
0: She is from a town called Rootstown, which is outside of Akron, which is near Kent, which is outside of Cleveland.
1: Is, okay. Outside of where?
0: Cleveland. So it's like uh, an hour south of Cleveland. My husband is from
1: Cincinnati.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we go to the southern part of the state. Yes. Rather than the northern part
0: of the state. All right. But yeah, so we go to, we go to,
1: yeah.
0: So tell me about Snowden. How did you meet? And that just sounds so Seattle of you to find some guy named Snowden.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I will often say that his name was part of the attraction. (laughs) Um, We met at a party. Um, My friend Dana... Uh, invited me to a party uh, that was uh, being thrown by a guy who was now her husband, but she had just started dating him and he had gone to business school with Snowden and a bunch of them after graduation had moved out to Seattle and didn't really know anybody. So they kind of all hung out and I met Snowden there Um, and we chatted for a little bit and then Uh, and then I kind of lost him in the party and then we danced later and then, um, he asked me for my phone number and I was like, great, gave him my business card. So it was clearly my number, right? You know, (laughs) but I did say I didn't use the email address on there. So you have to call me, which was really the fatal mistake. Um, so he didn't call. And um, my friend Dana called me every day. Did he call you? Did he call you? I'm like, no, he didn't call me. And um, so I was like, you know what? He's not going to, you know, whatever. It's not meant to be. And I guess about a week later, Dana and her now husband, um, boyfriend, were out at a concert and into into Snowden. And she's like, she called me the next day. She's like, I was so good. I didn't say anything for a long time, but then he started complaining about how hard it is to meet decent women in Seattle. She's like, I told him he screwed up with the the best girl he could possibly, you know, I totally blew it. And he's like, okay, 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 okay. I'll, I'll reach out to her. So, uh, he got my email address <laughs> through Randy and, and Dana and sent me an email and, um, and asked me, I yeah, apologized and, You know, he was very, he was very, um, very funny about it. It was very endearing. And so
0: we went
1: out and that was, that was that. Okay. So it was, uh, 20 years ago in January.
0: Hmm. Now. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to ask these questions and I don't know if anybody else did. He had your business card. Why did he need to get another email address? Did he throw the card away?
2: Well, because the
1: no, well, because the email address on the card was not my email address. I was a contractor for VoiceStream, which is now T-Mobile, and I didn't use my VoiceStream email, but my VoiceStream email was on my business card. Okay, and so he's much more of an email person than a call person, and so he had to get my real email address from. um, from Dana to email me. See, that would have been a,
0: that would have been a strike. It's like, I told you to call.
1: (laughs) It was, it was, was. you know, it's so funny. So I got the email, I was at work and I saw it come in and I was like, uh, I just rolled my eyes. I'm like, this is why am I bothering?
0: What is he going to say?
1: And so, Snowden, Snowden is um, – he's he's an English major who writes very well. He's also quite funny. And um, he wrote this very – like, I uh, screwed up, but it was very funny and it was very endearing, um, and he just kind of redeemed himself with that. Hmm. And um, I was like, all right, we'll give this a shot. So,
2: okay. Um,
1: and it's funny because he, he is not – years after we started dating and married got married i just was every once in a while just marvel, like i can't even believe we started dating like once we started dating it was all good but he's not a flirty guy he's not a pickup guy he's not a player he's um so uh the fact that we actually could get once we got on our date it was all good
0: interesting but,
1: um so we just had to get there
0: all right yeah. So um, I'm going to ask the yeah, second that's question. because all, all history. Yeah. So watching the screen here, it looked like you were looking up at somebody. So I know you're at home. I know it's late there. So is he like watching you? Is he in the other room? Did he walk in just as we were going through this?
1: No. He is, uh, well, he's in our bedroom. We're in a very small apartment. We're in a two-bedroom apartment. I'm in the dining room area. He is in the bedroom. He can probably hear me. Um, But when I looked up, my daughter daughter was walking from her room into our room, which is where the shower is, wrapped in a towel. And so I kind of moved my computer a little bit so that she wouldn't be walking behind my computer. Um, Yeah, so they're all home. They got home from Tivoli. It's dark now. It's uh, 10 minutes to 9, and it's uh, it's dark. But uh, the kids will be going to bed soon. But no, okay. I'm by myself
0: in the room right now. All right. So, so you're seven <laughs> hours, you're seven hours ahead of me.
1: Are you, you're not on Eastern time?
0: Yeah, but it's, uh, if it's two forty seven here. And you said it's 10 minutes to nine there. Oh, well, what is that? Six, so six, S- six, six hours. hours,
1: six hours. Yeah. Cause I'm nine. Of, yeah. Cause we're nine hours ahead of Seattle. Okay. So six hours. So
0: six hours. So yeah. All right, not uh, terrible. Yeah. All right. So, you guys are getting ready for no. bed and doing all that stuff. And uh, it's so here's the question here it's Labor Day weekend. You would normally have the Monday off. Yes. So, over there, not going to have the, the Monday, are you? What's what's Mondays, uh,
1: Monday actually is a kind of a big day for us because we've been here for six weeks. And we are finally able to have our appointment, because it's only by appointment, with the bank to set up a bank account in Denmark. What? Which is huge, because everything in Denmark is mobile pay. It's very digital. There's You can use cash, but it's not a particularly cash thing. Everything's mobile pay. Everything at the girls' school was mobile pay, so... It's They went on field trips and they're like, oh, pay, mobile, pay this. And we're like, I I, I have no way. We couldn't pay our cell phone bill because it is only digital pay. And the only option that they gave me was to wire money from the U.S., which costs $45 to wire money for a cell phone bill that was $66. And so we have been living... Living just, you know, in our apartment everything thing as tourists. And so setting up a bank account is a really big thing. It usually doesn't take this long. There's a big backlog from COVID and everything was shut down and a lot of people moved here. And so um, it doesn't usually take six weeks, but Monday is our bank appointment. So that's <laughs> a big day for us. Wow. Um, the kids will go to school as usual, <laughs> um, but yes there's this whole series of things to set up a bureaucracy to set up, to become a local resident. And um, that's actually our last piece. And it's not, oh, it, the bank isn't usually the last piece, um, but there's all these other things that, you know, I think it might be the same to move to America, but you know, I've had a social security number since I was a baby, so I didn't have to activate my social security number. But here we had to get our CPR numbers issued to us, and we had to get them activated, but we had to wait three weeks before we could get them activated so we weren't actually in the system. I mean, there's all this bureaucracy of things that have to happen for us to be local citizens functioning in society. And um, so, yeah, so this is just – Annual weekend um, in Denmark, like no big deal. Um, but everybody at home has uh, Monday off. Mm. So, yeah.
0: All right. So, what are you doing
1: for the three day weekend?
0: I don't know yet. She hasn't told me. <laughs> so, I, I do. She's still scheming. Yeah. So, I do know that this afternoon I have to barbecue for the family. So, my sister lives about 25 minutes away. So, m- when my nephew comes to work for us, he usually comes Friday, Friday, stays the night, and then works for me on Saturday, especially if I have a project. And so when she comes to pick him up, they'll stay for dinner and we'll do that stuff. So that's what I know that we're doing today. As for tomorrow and Monday, okay. I don't know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now
1: you'll be told you're in a need to know basis. Yes. You'll know when you need to
0: know. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing. So we've been watching the 90 Day Fiance series. And I don't know if you've watched that or know what it is, but it's basically on uh what channel is it? TLC or whatever that channel is. And it's all about the So they've got the 90 Day Fiancé series, they've got before the 90 days, they've got after the 90 days. And it's all based on, you know, people having to get green cards or, you know, to come to America and get married within the 90 days. The other way is for, you know, people going to other countries and stuff. And one of the things that they're showing is that people aren't doing their due diligence to know what has to happen in order for them to work in other countries. And so I was going to ask you, you know, this is a situation where you're not going to like, you know, meet somebody in Denmark, you're moving your family there. So how much of a shell shock was it for you, you know, moving out of the U S into another country?
1: Well, um, I don't know how much of a shell shock, you know, I've lived in other countries, um, various times in my life. Um, it has always been Spanish speaking countries and I speak Spanish. Although when I first did that, I didn't really speak Spanish. That's how I learned Spanish. So, um, I've lived in Spain, Mexico, Costa Rica, Chile, um, Argentina, um, various times, various periods of times. Um, so moving to Denmark, um, you know, it's European. It's, uh, there's a, there are differences, a lot of differences, but there's a lot of similarities that make it not too hard. And the other thing that I think actually about this a lot is Danes, okay, Denmark, Danish, super hard language to learn. Oh my God. I think it's like the ninth hardest language to learn really? for English speakers. Um, we are trying i'm on duolingo the kids are learning it at school it's very hard to pronounce it's very hard it's, it's a very hard language danes learn english starting in third grade and almost all adults speak excellent like excellent english so interacting with people in stores on the phone the phone is the hardest i don't know if you've ever tried to make phone call in a foreign language It's really intimidating, and even when I was when even being fluent in Spanish, speaking to somebody in Spanish on the phone is is really hard. And but I can pick up the phone, and once I can get through the automated phone system and talk to a person, the person speaks some level of English. And so there's a lot of things that aren't as hard here as they might be in other places. Um,
0: Except getting a bank account.
1: Shell shocked. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, there's a lot of bureaucracy, and we knew that, you know, we have to activate our CPR number, and then we have to get our yellow card, and then we have to get our NEM ID, which is what digitizes everything, and then we have to, but usually you get your bank account before the NEM ID, and the bank helps you get the NEM ID, and then, you know, it's like all these things, and you're reading through all this, because we have a, because of Snowden's job, we have a lot of hand-holding, and so we have a relocation person at his company as well as a relocation agency that is doing a lot of stuff for us, but there's only, but they can't do our bank account for us, but they set it up and so forth. So they gave us all this information ahead of time. And I remember reading this going, Oh my God, I know this will make sense to me once I'm there, but wow, this is really confusing. But you know, once you're here, you kind of go through all the steps so like, okay, I did that. Now what's next? We have to wait for this. Now we got that. What's next. And so it's, it's just kind of figuring it out. But um, again, the fact that I can go to the municipality in the, the area that we live and get um, I've been there 10 times for different things.
0: Do we have to go? No, I just watching some Yahoo pull into my parking lot.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> um and, you know, the fact that I can just go to the, com- the commune the municipality, and we deal with parking for our car, and that was a whole headache. But then I can talk to somebody in English and explain to me- them what my problem is, and they can help me figure it out. You know, it's just another hoop to jump through. Hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a lot of the shock to it. It's more of just kind of figuring out, well, what is it that I need to do? What do I need to know? What don't I know? Because, you know, so much of it is I have no idea what I don't know. And you think everything's going to work the way you think it's going to work. And then you're like, oh, that didn't work the way I thought it was going (laughs) to work. I wonder what's different. How do I figure that out? Who do I talk to? Um, So, yeah. But I now have some friends that have lived here a while, uh, that I can ask. And I have some Danish friends that I can ask things to. So, you know, you just got to be patient and realize some things just take a lot longer than you expect they're going to take.
0: All right. Now you originally said yeah. that you were targeting Asia, uh, as your out of the country yeah. place to go. Uh, did you have a specific reason And are you still trying to get there, I guess, is the other question.
1: Well, so, uh, Thailand came up as an opportunity for my husband, totally coincidentally about a month before we were going to visit Thailand. And so that was about a year ago, July, and that looked really promising, but ended up not being a very good fit. Um but once that kind of hit the radar, I was like, Ooh, Thailand, Singapore, for a little while he was um, interviewing for a company in Seoul, Korea. Um, it just, I, I'm drawn to things that are so totally different than what I'm in that, that seemed appealing to me. Like, that's just who I am. Like, Oh, that's not at all like America. Let's go there. Um, so that was kind of that. Um, And then Denmark popped up and like, why don't we not? You know, I don't know. I was here 22 years ago in February. It was really cold. Um, I was like, well, why not, you know. um, And given what's going on in the world now, a really good place to land. Are we targeting it still, you know, for right now? We're here. We don't know how long we'll be here. He works for a Danish company, so there's no end date. There's no repatriation package. And so, you know, we're committed to two years because I feel very strongly that this first year is going to be hard and it's going to take a while to find friends and really feel settled. And so you got to stay at least one more year after that. And then after that, depends on whether Snowden likes his job, um, whether we like it here, whether there's other opportunities, other places, um,
0: a full winter. November
1: election goes, (laughs) a full winter. You know, I'm I'm a little concerned about the winter, but um, you know, Seattle though, it's it's a it's darker here and it's I think a little and colder here. But I mean, there's a big difference from moving from say Florida to Denmark than moving from Seattle to Denmark. Um, you know, we have long December, January, February, February, so long. It's cold, it's dark, it's rainy. So, you know, we're here instead of
0: there. Yeah, I. So it's, um, yeah, so I lived in Berlin, Germany when I was young. So I did not know what the winters right. were like. I don't remember them. We lived in Topeka, Kansas for a few years. I remember snowstorms, mm-hmm. but I don't, you know, I was a kid. So uh, it was very different. So when I became an adult. They were fun. Yeah. When I became an adult, I had three winters in North Carolina. They were okay. They weren't horrible. But yeah, when I North met North
1: not bad, yeah. that's south. Yes, I know. That's so North when Carolina, I, dude. Like that's not winter.
0: Hey, if the if the bridges can ice over, that's enough for me. okay that's cool yeah so when i met kim and she was in ohio so i went up to visit her a couple of times i did you know visit (laughs) a couple of winters but i was like oh no (laughs) so when we were talking about you know because she had a son at the time who was who was still young and so the issue was whether i would move there or she would move to florida and this is this is um Not to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to say I made the offer that I would move to Ohio. Mm -hmm. Luckily, she said no.
1: Wow, that's a big offer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But she said no. Maybe she
1: realized that that might might not be a long-term relationship if she moved to Ohio.
0: (laughs) Well, the desire for her to move to Florida was a lot greater than the desire for me to move to Ohio. So she's actually a beach person.
1: There you go. I so, mean, and you know, the, the beach in Cleveland, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing the beaches of Florida beat the beaches in Cleveland.
0: <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> they do. Oh my. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, yes.
1: Yeah, so Ohio has real winters. That that's legit. Um, I would say North Carolina, not so much, but Ohio that that's, that's legit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> especially between
1: my husband and I was
0: going to say, especially between Christmas and new year's. And, uh, I, I just, yes. I can't do that anymore.
1: Yeah. So my husband and I, um, six months after we got married, we got married in August, August 31st, as you know. Um, and then March after we got married, we both quit our jobs and traveled around the world, Uh, until December, so March to December um, of 2004, which was awesome. But um, we came home, so we traveled all over the world, like airlines all over the world, you know, and I think we had one flight that might've been changed. We might've had one delayed flight, but most of everything went smoothly. We come home, we go to Ohio for Christmas. We flew out. Seattle on December 22nd, which I remember because was my father's birthday, and we made it to Chicago because um, his parents actually live north of Cincy, and so we find it's easier to fly into Dayton, and there's no direct flights to Dayton. So we fly through Chicago, and we get to Chicago. Chicago is actually no snow. It's cold, but no snow, and Chicago's fine, but there's a massive snowstorm in southern Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky shuts everything down like state of emergency shut down so we're in a Chicago you know if if we I told them if we had kids we'd be turning around going back to Seattle but we didn't have kids we just traveled around the world we're like oh, we can do this tried to get a rental car couldn't get a rental car trains don't go that direction because we had to kind of <laughs> go east and south right and they just go east or west they don't go east and south so then we got a bus so we were able to get a bus ticket from chicago to cincinnati and but we had to get from o'hare into the city and by some grace of some god somewhere we actually were able to get our lunch released to us um, from chicago o'hare and we got on the l went into the city went to the train station um got the bus got on the bus but they said well we can't get to Cincinnati, but we can get to Indianapolis. great. And it took and we're supposed to get to Indianapolis at like um, 11 o'clock at night. I think we pulled into India at like two in the morning, and it was it was a blizzard. and um, I had never taken the bus in America. That was a really interesting experience. Um, there, I, I don't remember a lot there was not a, it was not a packed bus, but I do remember that there was one guy who was on leave from I'm pretty sure it was from Iraq. He had like I don't know seventy-two hour leave, or maybe maybe it was four days leave. And he was trying to get home to see his parents, and he got stuck in Chicago. And he's just trying to get home long enough to give him a hug and turn around and haul back to Iraq. Um, but that was quite the journey. And we got to, to Indianapolis, and we pulled into the bus station, and we saw this hotel, and we're like, okay, we'll get over there, try and get there before anybody else gets there, and nobody else was could go to the hotel. And we, you know, had our rolling suitcases, snow plowing through a foot of snow to the, you know, I don't know, what, some cheap hotel. Um, And we were stuck there for two days until my father-in-law and my husband's brother-in-law, they they left for this emergency and they came and drove from Sydney to Indy to pick us up and take us back. And I said to Snowden, "When we have children, if your parents want to spend Christmas with us, they come to Seattle. We are not going to Ohio for Christmas ever again, and we haven't."
0: <laughs> uh.
1: I was like, "That's that was legit. That was that was real." Um, but uh, yeah, so um, I don't. It doesn't actually snow that much here from what i'm told um it doesn't have to
0: it's just icy all the time we're
1: kind of on this you know if we've been kind of watching the weather and it's about 10 degrees colder than seattle is um okay kind of all year round like summer is over here and in seattle you know all of our friends who are posting pictures the first day of school their kids are in shorts and t-shirts and flip flops and stuff because it's still you know warm in seattle um we were a little underdressed to go to Tivoli today we had two full-on rainstorms and it's low 60s high 50s um so in the winter in Seattle a really co- a cold day is like 40s like sometimes it'll drop into the 30s and we'll get snow but typically it's in the 40s so you know in a probably be 30s um we have very heavy winter coats one of the first things we did was buy really heavy winter coats um, but I think mostly it's dark. Like, the sun comes up at, at like 9 or 10 in the morning and goes down at 3 in the afternoon. It's dark. Really? It's dark. It's dark. But consequently, when, you know, we got here at the end of July, so, you know, a month, a full month after the solstice, and it the sun wasn't setting until almost 10 o'clock. But... We've been here for six weeks and it now, it was, so we started at eight. It was probably almost dark by eight um, when we started talking. So yeah, we're, we're really far north. We're about, I think Seattle is a 49th latitude. And I think we're at somewhere in the high 50s, maybe 60 latitude. So we're pretty far north. So yeah, come visit.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. But not
1: December.
0: <laughs> if you have to start using, if you have to start using words like longitude and solstice to understand the weather patterns, that ain't right. <laughs>
1: Oh come on, Florida boy! <laughs> Suck it up.
0: <laughs> so the wife would love to come visit. Uh, she likes to travel, but um, I'm yeah, good. You
1: should definitely
0: come visit. Well, we we you have a reason now. We have friends. We have friends over there, so maybe we can do that.
1: Friends who are going to have a, a guest room. Um, well, not now. House we're moving into has a guest room.
0: Oh, you found the house! No,
1: not now. Oh my god. Yeah, we have a house that we have um, paid the deposit, and we are moving uh, beginning of October um, out into the Burbs. We're now in, like, very urban downtown. Not downtown, downtown, but we're very urban. Um, and we're moving out to the, the Burbs, which is north, further north than we wanted, but we got a house with a yard that has a trampoline that our kids are thrilled about. Um, so, yeah, and it has, like, five bedrooms.
0: Okay, so... so- um, here are the real questions: um, Are you on grid? What does that mean? Does um, that mean on like on the electrical grid? You know, are you? Is it stable electricity?
1: Oh yeah, oh we do not that far. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: You know, do you have central heat?
1: I mean, we're in the suburbs. <laughs> yes, we're in the suburbs. No, we actually we have solar panels on the house, and um, uh, and I think there's. Uh, uh floor heating floor heating is a big deal t- oh. it's kind of how a lot of people do the heating
0: okay here. That, oh, that that, 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 that changes there. a lot of stuff floor heat yes that we can handle
1: yes yes mm. um yeah so no we are fully on the grid we have plumbing indoor plumbing a gas stove i'm pretty excited about yeah it's it's um uh, wait a minute first world you cook I do. I'm actually,
0: I don't see you as a, I I don't, I don't see you as domestic Dana.
1: (laughs) You know, um, we, uh, so I didn't, I wasn't really very, a very good cook, but then we decided to be paleo seven, almost eight years, actually eight years ago, eight years ago. And that forced us to learn how to cook. So we both can cook. I mean, we're not great cooks and we don't love to cook, but I'm a picky eater and I don't like to eat food I don't like. And so, yeah, I mean, and in Denmark, eating out is super expensive. So we don't eat out, Um, we cook. Um, So yeah, I can cook. I'm a a decent cook. I wouldn't say I'm a great cook. I'm a decent cook. All right. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So come visit. As soon as, uh, well, you know, right down to American Passport, can't get you anywhere, but.
0: Eventually that should change, I hope. Um and you put uh Copenhagen on the uh on the list. Yeah, Copenhagen will trump um the Bahamas, because that's the only thing on my on my stamp right now.
1: Oh. Okay. Yeah. See? I, you would you would come to Copenhagen over and going to the Bahamas?
0: Well, I'm just uh, saying I've been to the Bahamas already. That's that's my international uh, travel.
1: Okay.
0: So Okay. Okay. So, you know, when I tell people, yeah, I travel international. Where are the Bahamas? Oh, that's not international. That's what they say. <laughs> that's
1: like right off your coast. Yeah. That's, that's international from Seattle? I don't know if that's international from Florida. No. That's like us going to San Juan Islands.
0: <laughs> yeah. When you can take your own boat to the Bahamas or Cuba, that's where people are like, no, nah, you're not really traveling.
1: Yeah. No, I've come to Copenhagen. Actually, to, to get on a plane. I promise you, you'll like it. It's cool. All
0: right. Yeah. Well, and the <laughs> fact that everybody speaks English I, helps. I, I, yeah.
1: It's it's a very easy country to travel in. People are lovely and they're friendly. Um, yeah. You know. It's. Um, yeah. It's it's a it's a good country to go to if you if the only other country outside the U.S. you've been to is Bahamas you you won't you won't be too shocked.
0: <laughs> okay, I promise. All right. I promise. So um, yeah. So see, you were so worried about what in the world are we going to talk about, and here we are over an hour, <laughs> and we've barely <laughs> we've barely scratched the surface of some of the topics we need to get to.
1: Yeah, really. I mean, there's so much more. No, I wasn't worried. I was just like, "Well, does he have an agenda or not?" So, uh, just to be prepared. But uh, yeah. no, this has been great, and I would love to chat more because there's there's definitely a lot more to talk about of uh, things.
0: Well, so, we're gonna build up. It doesn't to, have to be
1: a podcast.
0: Okay, but we are gonna build up to getting snow. Unless you want it to. Be- <laughs> no, we can talk other times. Uh, okay. But uh, th- I find that this makes it, you know. There's a there's a mystique to it that people like where if you just pick up the phone, you know you, you don't really see each other. Uh, the COVID actually helped because people were zooming, but you know I'm, now I'm finding mm-hmm. people are tired of zooming. So, <laughs> so we got to.
1: I don't zoom all day, so I'm I'm not tired of it, so I'm good. All right. I, actually, it's really nice to have this connection with somebody. Um, so, well, and, you know, a podcast kind of gives you a bit of a structure and, you know, a timetable. And um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to talk to you more and uh, and talk about, more about uh, the BLM stuff that you did uh, back in July mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. So, that might be a topic for another time.
0: Okay. We can do that. I'll invite you to one of where, so we're supposed to be starting up the private sessions again soon. So maybe I'll invite you to one of those as well and uh, see how that goes. What is, what's private session mean?
1: That it's so, not live.
0: Yeah, it's not live. And we basically do a group discussion and we've had anywhere from five to 10 people on at a time. And it's, It's basically an open session where people can ask questions because that that was a big part of what needed to be done. There were a lot of there were a lot of friends of mine and people that, you know, have known me over the years who haven't had to deal with that and didn't realize that I had to deal with that. But they were, you know, frustrated They were upset. They wanted to do something. And it was a way to, you know, say, look, if you have questions, come chat, you know, ask whatever you want. It won't be a place where you're going to get attacked. You know, I think what happened is a lot of people were posting stuff on Facebook and then just turning into big old fights. And that's not, that's not what we need. You know, there needs to be a place where people can, you know, there's a lot of questions that are legitimate for both black and white people that there's a gap of understanding that needs to be done. But it needs to be done where people, you know, don't get attacked for asking a question. And it's not, you know in, 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 you know, and I and I got in trouble. A lot of people accused me of, you know, making it too easy because for many years I didn't say stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm gonna, you know, identify with being black. And I had to say to people, look, It's not that I'm, you know, standing up now and identifying. I've always been black. I just didn't tell everybody my troubles. You know, you just didn't know what I was going through Mm -hmm. being black. So that's what it was. And so a a Mm -hmm. chance for people to hear more of my story, uh, ask some questions, get some clarity. And, you know, at the same time, I listened as well. You know, there were questions that I have of people of, you know, well, you know, when this is said or when this is done, you know, what is, what do you think? How does that make you feel? And, uh, so we had a few of those and, uh, I think they, I think they were really good.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. I would love to be, um, in those, if, you know, the, the timing works out because, um, I think, you know, are a lot of conversations that we need more of that. And that was a lot of what we were trying to do around homelessness. Um, And, you know, kind of the same sort of conversations, which disproportionately, homelessness affects people of color um, more so than, you know, based on their percentage of the population. And so a lot of this is all tied into that and the barriers and the way that the, the, the systemic racism that is set in place and a lot of how our systems—it's it, working the way it's—it's it's meant to be working, and it's set up that way. And so, bringing in these conversations, so we have these monthly town halls that we would bring in speakers, and it was a small—you know—we kind of got up to like seventy or eighty, but um, it was kind of more of a, a, a more an accessible environment that people could ask questions and ask you know, maybe seemingly insensitive questions, um, some that, you know, kind of cringe questions that got really thoughtful responses to and really opened up conversations about it that, um, you know, it's like that's what that's what changes things is those, um, those conversations and understanding what's behind the soundbite, what's behind the stereotype, what's behind the assumed piece of that, and and hearing the stories, and it's, it's the individual stories, and I think, you know, somebody like you who, you know, you have a lot of white friends who probably always just, you know, whether, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's just Marvin. We know Marvin. Marvin, you know, Marvin knows us, and, you know, they kind of brush over the fact that you're black, and you live as a black person in a very white, country that has a lot of systemic racism and so to hear that from somebody who they know and care about is like i can imagine that would be pretty powerful um and sort of like this aha moment of wow it's not just you know so many stereotypical things that could be said so i think that's really awesome that you set that up and um and have those conversations because they're hard. They're awkward. They are people. I think everybody comes out of it, but I think at the end of it, I'm guessing that probably everybody's like, wow, that was really meaningful and kind of shifted their way of, of seeing things and, and how they're taking in information now. And, and, you know, things have only gotten worse and more in in their face since then, since even the end of July. Um, And I can imagine that, you know, every single time there's news of the latest black guy who was shot in the back has, uh, you know, like.
0: Yes, it is. uh, It is. It is an interesting dynamic to try to let people know that, you know, this has been our reality for years and the fact that I think the the best way to explain it for me was when people were like, okay, can't this be over already? And I'm like, you're not understanding, you know, you've been uncomfortable for a few months, you know, we've been uncomfortable for a few hundred years. Uh, it's a big difference. And trying to explain to them that just because I don't exhibit what you're you know, typical black stereotype is it still exists. And explaining to people, you know, that I experience a lot of this now it's in different ways. I'm not, you know, out in the middle of a street being chased down by a cop, but I have had cops come to my house, pull me over and have had to deal with those things. But it's also the situations of, you know, I've owned my business for 23 years. You know, I'm not going to say I'm a great network administrator, but I'm pretty darn good. And I compete with some pretty big computer companies, and I do just as good a job as most of them. Some of them I think I do better. Some of my customers have said I've done better. But there are still times where I have to fight the idea that a company will pay Somebody else, twice as much money to do the same work because they look like them as opposed to looking like me. And that's a problem.
1: That is a problem, you know, and that's where you get into this ingrained systemic racism that the system is built that way to allow that and to be that and that there's a lot of people who think that that's okay. And, and so to say, can't this be over already? It's like, there's a lot of restructuring that need to happen before this can be over. You know, it, I mean, I, you, of course, you know, um, but
0: yeah takes time it'll take time it'll take some patience and understanding it'll take having the having the hard conversations and uh plowing through i mean that's really the only thing we can just say it's it's got to stay in our minds and people have to commit to doing it and you know the bigger thing is that when people who are not affected understand that them becoming a part of the answer helps us all. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Exactly. So, and I
1: think that that's, and I think that that's sort of one of the things that uh, what COVID sort of actually brought to light is like, oh, well, this is um, the the struggles that that some people are having. It's like, well, you know, white people suddenly realizing that this is a problem, it's like. And black people are like, yeah. Well, this is we've <laughs> yeah. been saying this for a long
0: time. Yeah, yeah. You, you're just a, yeah, you're gonna to start start listening now. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is better late than never, and that's how change happens. But um yeah, I mean, but we have to rethink entire systems, and you know, starting with the police and how the police is structured, and and that's gonna be painful, and that's gonna be uncomfortable, and that's gonna be scary. Change is hard. Change yep. is scary. And especially when it's changing something that has worked for you, you being me as a white person, but not worked for somebody else that I don't know what their experience is. It's like, oh, well, but I'm getting screwed and all this. It's like, well.
0: Are you really? Can think about, but <laughs>
1: who's really? Yeah, exactly. Are you really? Um, so, I mean, yeah. yeah. We could talk for a long time about that. And that's, um, we could. So I would love to know when the next time you have one of those and if i am able to join i would love to to
0: join Um, i will let you know
1: because i think that more conversation yeah okay
0: i'll let you know and uh and uh, we'll get to uh talk more about how hard it is to move out of the u.s into another country Um, (laughs) get some more stories about that (laughs) obviously we we have more stories to share you and snowden me and kim and uh we'll get caught up in those areas as well
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, I look forward to it.
0: All right. So for those of you that uh, either watch this later or have been listening to the audio of the podcast, we've been talking with Dana the Brick Armstrong, and she got the name in 1992. I don't know. Was I the first person to really call you the Brick? I, that can't no, be No, it actually true. from college. Okay. No,
1: college. I, it was – that, and I, yeah, it uh, that was –
0: Cause that was too easy. A you know, that was like a layup of a nickname.
1: <laughs> I know what it really was. <laughs>
0: so. Yes. All right. So uh, I've been talking to Dana, uh, who now lives in Denmark and we will be having her on again soon. We'll have uh, part two of the experience and uh, be looking forward to some great shows. Dana, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. And uh, folks don't know when exactly the next show will be. I've got a couple of guests. We're lining up uh, here, hopefully in the next week or so. So we'll be back with another episode of the uncle Marv podcast. And uh, if you have anything that you would like to get answers to any stories you'd like to share, send them to uh, Marvin at uncle head over to UncleMarv.com where you can see some past shows, You can, uh, I haven't updated um, the pictures and all that stuff, but I hope to be doing that soon. But that'll be the place where you can go and get all information related to not only me, but the podcast. If you'd like to support the show, there is a support page where you can contribute on PayPal. You can actually use a link to buy stuff on Amazon, and if you use my link, I get a little bit of money so that I can pay the hosting bills and do the cameras and the microphones and all that stuff here. So I appreciate that. So once again, thank you very much. And uh, until next time, holla.